Welcome, everybody. U.S. Grace Force Podcast here. I'm Doug Barry, along with my good friend, Father Richard Heilman. we got a great guest tonight, and you are going to appreciate what's going to be talked about tonight in a very big way. Before we get started, of course, everything should begin with prayer. So, Father Heilman, I leave that to you. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking their own souls. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you, Father. Okay, before we get started here with our amazing guest tonight, I first want to thank everybody out there, again, who supports this work that Father Heilman and I are trying to do with the U.S. Grace Force podcast. The Grace Force right now is in excess of, what, 77,000, I think, or so? Yeah, I think we're actually treading towards 78,000, but yeah, over 77,000. Awesome. And we need to keep growing those ranks, everybody, because we are in a crisis in our world right now. Spiritual battle, we see it in politics, in, in the church, we see it in education, the legal system, the courts, everywhere. We know that there is a spiritual war on. Even in the military, we see it going on, which is what we're going to be addressing a bit tonight. But we want you to really just join forces with us by signing up for the U.S. Grace Force. And if you want to sign up, of course, for the podcast, click that subscribe button. That will get you these episodes of the podcast on a regular basis. But sign up for the Grace Force in general. Get the prayer requests that are coming out, the prayer team efforts, everything that's going on with the Grace Force. Become part of this force to help unify and fight this good fight, this spiritual battle that we are in like never before. Also, don't forget to go on out to the uh, U.S. Grace Force gear page. Get yourself some really very awesome T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, long sleeve, short sleeve, men's styles, women's styles, whole nine yards. Fantastic stuff. And it supports what we're doing. want to thank everybody who does support us, especially those out there who are our patrons through Patreon. We hope you are enjoying all the benefits that come with being a Patreon member. And also one last thing to mention here before we get rolling is Battle Ready Coalition is launching its second big opening. We do two big openings and two small openings every year. March 16th to 20th is the time frame. We're going to want people to sign up, become that monthly online uh, member where you are joining forces with really just hundreds of others who are out there across the country. We've got members from Ireland, from the UK, from India, from, from um, let me see, we got Australia in there, we got Canada in there, all over the US. Be a Battle Ready Coalition member. It's a monthly online membership, and you get an enormous amount of material and encouragement to train you up body, mind, and soul. Father Heilman is a member of the Battle Ready Coalition. And I know, Father, you and I have talked uh, about the importance of something like the coalition right now. We are being banned. We're being silenced. we got to cancel culture oh, yeah. going. And we need to come together and band together with one another. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about like, the three days of darkness. I mean, it's just that bad right now. We don't know what's going to happen. And we don't know how intense the persecution is going to be. And right. so I, I, I got a friend that has a, a refrigerator with a year's worth of beef in it, a freezer for, well, right now. Yeah. So uh, people are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're making sure they're ready for whatever comes. And, and uh, the Battle Ready Coalition is absolutely unbelievable. Thank you, Doug. You've been doing this since the 90s, right? I mean, this kind of stuff. And so yeah. Yeah. you're, 90, you're the leading started, expert yeah. in all this. So um, please, everybody join the Battle Ready Coalition. It's just unbelievable. So 
Yeah, just check the link in the description below and people can get more information. Get on the sign-up list for it right now. And then March 16th to 20th, the doors open. And we are just going to encourage people to sign up. And, you know, Father, this is in part and parcel with even having this, this great guest on tonight, Joe. And I know you'll introduce him. But I just want to say in the short time I've gotten to know Joe and just the effort, uh, you know, that he has is, he is really put forth, you know, when we interviewed him back in July – you know, about back in the blue. I mean, just this type of stuff, the patriotism, the the faithfulness to the Catholic Church, uh, the dedication to the mission to help save souls, fight the good fight. So incredibly important. And we need as many voices as possible. So I just want to say thanks, Joe, for being a guest tonight. But Father, I'll let you do the official intro of our guest. Yeah. So Joe, um, Joe and I met up because of, of what we're going to talk about right now. Um, but uh, Joe's the kind of guy, at least this is my experience, where when he rolls up on his Harley and maybe his flag waving, waving behind him, uh, I just get that feeling of peace that, you know, <laughs> uh, this guy is a warrior. He's got my back. Uh, he's a patriot. He's about truth and not about lies and cheating and stealing, but he's, he's a man of great virtue. Um, and basically, you know, the... This is a movement that's been going on, I believe, in the country and in our church that we just got to keep going. And that's strong patriotism, strong virtue, strong moral compass, um, and, uh, and good people of, of great faith. And Joe just encapsulates all that. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm really um, uh, honored to know Joe. Um, and Joe, uh, what we're going to be talking about, and that's in the, in the banner of the show today, is called Combat Rosers for Heroes. And that's something that launched yesterday. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, Joe, you actually are the person that is uh, helps um, stock chaplains. You want to maybe get into what what you do? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Father, and thanks, Doug. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Bill Calpernell from uh, Lacrosse. It was really funny when I was uh, I went up to uh, visit. Father Altman back in uh, when we had the when we prayed the rosary. Yep, yeah, remember that September. I so, brought the relic with me, the the relic for the yeah. Didi relic. I'm going to talk about in a second. Yeah, I, I live. I think I, I think it was probably about a hundred. I, I live in uh, right now. I, I'm in Mar I'm on Marco Island, Florida, right now. I'm here for seven months. I'm a proud Florida resident, uh, and uh, I live in Wisconsin for five months and on Marco Island for seven. I used to love Wisconsin when we had uh, when we had uh, Scott Walker. <laughs> anyway, so I live in Delavan now, Delavan. So when we had when Father Altman, we went up. I heard about the rosary, so I rode the motorcycle up there, and it was interesting because we prayed the rosary. We probably had I, I would imagine five hundred people out there yeah. at Cathedral. And when well, I the guy riding with me was uh, uh, Mike Albers, who's he, he's a uh, Marine vet. Okay, and uh, he he was there. He's he was kind of my protection too, but uh, but yeah, he he was there, and and uh, he's actually on our board too. On our oh yeah, I noticed board, that. Rio's board. So yeah. go ahead, Joe. I didn't want to interrupt. Was, anyway, so when I was leaving, uh, I walked over to the to the motorcycle, and this this uh, this guy walks up to me and he says, he says, "Was your son in Iraq in two thousand three and two thousand four? Wow. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, uh, I, he goes, are you Joe Alger? And I said, yeah. And he said, I said, how did you know? He said, well, I saw your, are you on the podcast with Father Heilman? 
and that's when we did the podcast about Back to Blue. Right. That I was wondering if you were Joe's father, and it turns out my my son was in Iraq in 2003 and 2004. He was in a very small unit. He was in a a public affairs unit in Iraq. Um, and this was his commanding officer. It was oh my just, gosh. I mean, it was just a, and Bill Copernall, and he's just, I wish my, my son would have picked up the lead that Bill had uh, set down. And Bill is a, obviously a, an amazing Catholic. He has eight children. He's out of the military now. He was a major. I don't know what he got out as. He, but uh, just a, it was just, just one of those shocking things. But That's anyway, um, I am the director of director of military outreach for what they call free to chaplain. It's called the free to chaplain program where I work for a, a major Catholic organization and um, they have started off by giving these chaplains because chaplains are understaffed. There is approximately 196 uh, what we call active duty chaplains right now. There's 196 and they are administering to 325,000 active duty soldiers. And those soldiers- And their families. Many of them have families. So you can probably times that by two. Yeah. So, so these guys are severely understaffed. Right. So when we, got, we started this program, this free chaplain program, we used the, uh, the special forces, the special for army special forces, they call these guys, the Green Berets are called force multipliers because these Green Berets will go into an area, they train the locals, they'll train the, the natives, and that's what they call a force multiplier. They have a small unit of Green Berets, a 10-man team, they'll go into an area and they will train the, the, the locals like they did to the Montagnards in uh, Vietnam and when the, what they do to the locals in Iraq and Afghanistan. So they call Green Berets a false force multiplier. So that's when we started this prog uh, program. We, we said we are gonna be a, fo a force multiplier for our understaffed Catholic chaplains and give them the tools that they need that's gonna enable them to, to get out there into the, into the, within the troops and have items of faith. So we have up to uh, 25 different items of faith that we hand out I don't hand them out, but we mail them, mail out these uh, these items to chaplains all over the world. I mean, from Korea to Okinawa to Germany to to uh, Woodstock, Illinois. Well, we handle, uh, and so I just get the word out. I'll say we've got this, you know, the opportunity, and we'll send up to 250 items per order, and they can continue to order. They can continue to order, and this is all to the Archdiocese of Military Services, which is the, uh, the, 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 that's the, that's the ones that take, that give you all your chaplains, your Catholic chaplains and such. Mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity to, for them to have rosaries, prayer books, Bishop Sheen prayer books, that, you know, any, everything that, that really they need to get out and hand CDs and things like that, so. Yeah. Well, it was just by the grace of God that uh, we stumbled on each other almost, and uh, and we made God made the connection because uh, you're the guy that I, I, I listen. This has been a dream of mine uh, since I uh, invented the the, uh, the combat rosary, uh, and it's based on a 1916 uh, military rosary that was uh, 
carried by the um, um, well, it was it was uh, used in World War One and World War Two. And while I'm talking, I'm reaching out to try to find my. I wanted yeah. to show you a sample of that, but I'll find <laughs> it. Mine too. Yeah, but anyways, I wanted to show you the the sample in 1916. I found these. See, I I've, I've been really uh, drawn to men's ministry because uh, I I need we need the Saint Joseph to step up, and they need to be strong, and they need to be lead their families and lead their communities and that. And so I've been doing men's ministry for many many years. But I always thought the rosaries looked like um, women's jewelry or children's toys. And so I looked around for something more rough and uh, rugged. And I ended up on uh, eBay and found that they, you know, they were selling these as collector's items from the 1916. And then I did the research on it. And the 1916 rosary uh, was made out of pull chain. Now, I'm actually wearing a pull chain right here, you know, that, that they would wear their dog tags. Here's, here's see a dog tag right there. And... Um, They'd, they'd uh, <coughs> so they made the rosary out of this. Well, I'm looking around some more. No one since 1916 has ever made a rosary made out of pole chain. Mm -hmm. And the government made these. Right now, I think it's hard for you to say Jesus in the military anymore because, uh, but, it, but the point is, is that um, uh, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And when, when I started collecting them on eBay, I got about 10 now, but I was paying like $50, $60 a piece. Now they want like five or $600, I guess, for, for one of those 1916 rosaries. But wow. anyway, so it was very cool. And I'll find it uh, during the show here and I'll, I'll, I'll hold it up. But I ended up designing one based on that, made out of pole chain. Um, now the ones from 1916 were small. They were the, the smaller than the typical rosary. So I made um, the rosary I designed, normal size rosary. And then also I decided that I wanted to put the most powerful medals and the most powerful crucifix that the church offers, right? You're holding yours up. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. it is. And uh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And what, Joe, if you could show in here, I'll hold up mine too. Here's the gun medal. All right. And, uh, uh, and in the middle is the miraculous medal uh, known to be one of the most powerful medals uh, in ever uh, sacramentals and then uh, dangling from that you can see there, there's the benedict medal and so those are the two medals right there that's unique to the combat rosary that father heilman made and then there is the pardon crucifix now what's a pardon crucifix it's the only crucifix where a pope said if you carry that or kiss it that you get indulgences for it um so that's pretty amazing so here it is this is the Gunmetal rosary that we want to get into the hands of many military, law enforcement, first responders as we can. Joe's going to help us, uh, particularly with the military, with this. But what it is, is you go to combatrosariesforheroes.com. We'll put an image up on the screen uh, so you can know. But go to combatrosariesforheroes.com. And just yesterday, I'm going to set it down. J just yesterday, we launched it. And we were ready to launch around this time. And I was looking out for good dates to do it. And I really like that image of the raising the flag in Iwo, Iwo Jima in World War II. And so we picked that to kind of be our logo almost for Combat Rose for Heroes. Well, here, um, yesterday, uh, it, by the way, of this is airing on Wednesday night, uh, Tuesday, February 23rd, was the 76th anniversary of the raising of the flag at Iwo, Iwo Jima. So we picked that day to launch Combat Rosaries for Heroes. Uh, so very cool. And uh, the other thing that they get when they, um, 
when they get their rosary is they actually get a leather bag so they can easily carry this around. And also in here, and people have said, oh, you shouldn't do that because it doesn't cost that much extra. If you're going to have a weapon, if you're going to carry a weapon, you better have a concealed carry card. That, I'm trying to get that out of the glow, but there it is. It's a concealed carry card. And uh, so we get in the camera. There it is. Yeah. Concealed carry card. There. I got it now. But um, anyway, so, but the whole idea is kind of manning up and seeing the rosary as Padre Pio said, he always said, bring me my weapon, you know, but to see it as a powerful weapon and, uh, and to get that, and you get indulgences, just graces, just for carrying the rosary. So, you know, why not get all of these heroes, uh, these people that put themselves in harm's way and are, are heroic, why not give them that spiritual, that supernatural uh, protection? So I'm just so excited. My dream has come true. And we launched that, as I said, yesterday, February 23rd. Pretty cool? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Hey, question. Um, why is this so important? Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm posing the question so we can discuss it, that we encourage this moral fiber uh, in the military you know, this is one of these issues I know that, that there's so much effort to try to remove God from so many areas of our world and of our society. And that's happened in the military as well, where there is an effort to remove any form of, of, of worship, true holy worship. Um, and there are those out there on the, the anti-God side that are trying to get this done. And yet we all know, you know, a lot of military people out there who are just adamant god loving god fearing you know even rosary praying sacrament receiving bible reading soldiers out there but but why if we can discuss why is this so important and to encourage people to get behind this movement in this effort to just really really shore up and bring a strong moral fiber and moral code to every soldier out there joe why would you like what comes to your mind first to answer that question well, when you, have, you say that, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is the opportunity for military members to fall into sin. I mean, there is no shortage of opportunity when you're in the military because of the places that you're stationed. Uh, you're, you're, you're at, a, in, if you're stationed any place, I mean, at, in the military bases in the States are not known for being overly moral places to hang out once you get outside the base. So there, there are countless opportunities for sin, occasions of sin, particularly when you get a, uh, an 18-year-old kid and suddenly he's in a, uh, a foreign country for the first, he's, he's away from home for the first time of, in his life. And he's in a, not only is he away from home, but he's in another country. And in a country where the morals that, you know, I mean, the morals in the United States are, are, are fantastic. But when you get to some of these places, particularly in the Orient or, or places in Europe, the moral barometer, you know, the moral um, guidelines there were, at least for me when I was in, was a heck of a lot less than where, they, where I came from. I mean, the opportunities for when I was in from 71 to 74 for particularly for drug use back at the time, but those situations, if you're a, uh, if you don't have a moral barometer, if you don't have a moral compass, uh, you're lost. I mean, you can, you can fall into any one of a hundred things that are going to 
lead you to to the devil. Not to mention if you're in a combat zone, that's a whole different dynamic right there. I mean, that's a whole different dynamic. And one of the things like I was telling um, you gentlemen, like Father and, and you, Doug, is that the, the Catholics have traditionally been, been very good in combat. Um, many times it's because of the fact that they have a God, uh, particularly if they're, if they're good with that God, they hopefully got a chance of, they know where they're going. Uh, and that's evident because um, our Medal of Honor recipients, the, uh, the Catholic chaplains, we have seven Catholic chaplains who have received the Medal of Honor um, for the United States military. And um, no other denomination has no Baptist, no Protestant, whatever. It's all been Catholics, Catholic chaplains that have received and earned the Medal of Honor, um, Korea, Vietnam, uh, World War II, World War I. So th that indicates that obviously the Catholic is a fighting man. Traditionally, Catholics are, 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 are fighting. They're, well, hate to say Catholics like to fight, but they are definitely, they are definitely warriors. And uh, so the, the moral barometer, the moral compass is extremely important in the military because of the fact that you have, you're training for combat, you're talking about killing. Your basic training is, I mean, I was in the Army, and particularly, I'm sure, the Marine Corps, you know, kill, kill, kill. What's the spirit of the bayonet? Kill, kill, kill. What's the, you know, your weapon? You know, and the, the whole thing is to, and it, so that type of an environment, you need to have, uh, you need to understand what it's about, and you need to have a moral compass to to bring with you. You need to have religion. I didn't have that the whole three years I was in. I, I don't think I saw a chaplain one time. And I know the situation in Iraq and Afghanistan is, is, is bad because I know of guys that have gone months without seeing a priest uh, in, in Iraq. So, if, uh, you know, that's, I mean, you need to have that more than ever. It's, uh, it's it's one thing when your kid's going off to college. I mean, I mean that's that's a whole different deal there too. But you got a young kid, 18 years old, never been off the block, and suddenly he's in Taiwan or Okinawa or the back roads of Korea. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to to uh, go to uh, walk into sin. So yeah, I found the rosary. Here's the uh, 1916 version. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. And uh, here is what I did. You can see it's bigger. And of course, this particular one is gunmetal. I did make one silver like this as well. But uh, the one we're offering to the to the military and, and everybody is this gunmetal one. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that, and I'll set these down. Um, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, his father was in uh, World War II. And he was actually uh, in part of the D-Day invasion. And while he was moving inland, he came to a bombed out church. And he's standing in the church. And the life-size crucifix is on the floor face down. Now, he had to move out. But his strong Catholic faith told him, I can't leave Jesus' face in the right. dirt. So he had to at least flip the crucifix over. When he does that, the skull cap of Jesus falls off like it's supposed to come off, and, and something popped out of it, and it went into the dirt. 
And he figured if, if it was in that place, there must be something special about it. He didn't know what it was. And it couldn't stay in the dirt. Again, his strong Catholic faith. So he picked, put it in his pocket, and he moved out. And after the war, he went to visit his sister, who was a religious sister, a nun, in Milwaukee at, at, at their convent. <clears throat> and he's standing in a room full of nuns uh, visiting. Uh, and, uh, and he remembers he has this in his pocket because he figured it must be something religious. And maybe the nuns know what it is. So he pulls this thing out of his pocket and shows it to all the nuns and said, and tells the story. This is where he found it. And, and, uh, and, and all the sisters in the room fall to their knees and start making the sign of the cross because they knew right away what they were looking at. It was a, a relic of the true cross. And I'm going to reach back now. There it is. That's the relic of the true cross. I'm doing a tilt so I don't get the reflection. But uh, that's the relic of the true cross that was found during the D-Day invasion in World War II. Wow. And we are touching every combat rosary to that relic of the true cross. And what the church teaches then is that this rosary then becomes a third-class relic of this relic of the true cross. So talk about power in your pocket. And when you're praying, you're, we're touching all of the combat rosaries that were getting free to the soldiers, uh, touched to the relic, a D-Day relic of the true cross. So I, I'm just so excited about this. Mm. And I, I truly believe that we are literally giving these soldiers power. And they're going to have uh, special graces, special protection, um, and sp special graces to, to, like you said, avoid sin. I, I was actually looking at a quote from um, Pope Pius XI. He said, the rosary is a powerful weapon to put the demons to flight and to keep oneself from sin. Why? Mm. Because you're receiving powerful graces. And we teach even by carrying it, you're receiving powerful graces. So again, I'm really excited about it. So, and if anybody wants to be a part of this, you go to rosary, I mean, combatrosariesforheroes.com. And again, we'll put it up on the screen. And you donate. And your donations, all the donations go to just the raw cost of materials for this rosary. And uh, we have people that assemble it. We give them a few little bit for that. But uh, so that we can get the most of these rosaries to the most heroes um, that we can. Again, all touched to the relic of the true cross. Isn't that awesome? That is. Well, yeah. I get kind of a, 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 well, one of the things I was impressed about, and I actually heard this on, uh, you had him on your show, Jesse Romero, when he was, he did a show and he was talking about how George Washington and the relationship, how he did have a, uh, the Blessed Mother appeared to him in 1777, and, and uh, how uh, he didn't really know. He said he was telling his Catholic friend about this beautiful woman that appeared to him. And uh, uh, he, the priest said, well, that had to be our Blessed Mother. And it was a very, very interesting story about how Washington actually helped finance the first arch, uh, cathedral there. I believe it was in Baltimore. But uh, Jesse, Jesse did a great show on that. And then they even said when, when uh, Washington died or when he was on his deathbed, he couldn't get the, uh, the local pastor to see him. And they brought a priest in. 
And supposedly the priest heard his confession, gave him communion and last rites. So uh, that is so cool. Story. I'm gonna have to look up that podcast. That's nice. Yeah, and then and then even uh, like Bishop Sheen, one of his best one of his best uh, talks I, I heard was when he addressed, I believe it was West Point, the graduating class of West Point, and uh, quite an amazing uh, Bishop Sheen always does great. I mean, he's great. Um, uh, but I mean, this talk that he gave to the graduating class of West Point is just amazing. And the strong Catholics that have been in the uh, the military, the Marine that ended up being a general, he's the one that blew the bridge in 1972. And I, I'm so sorry, I can't remember his name, but a super strong Catholic. Um, he actually uh, completed every combat course there was. He's a Marine, went to Ranger School, actually went to the uh, Marine uh, he was a, uh, a commando, a Marine commando. He had went through all these schools, but he blew the bridge uh, in Vietnam when the, uh, the tanks were coming across hand over hand and strong Catholic. The Mar he, uh, I wish I could think of his name. I wasn't prepared for it. But uh, anyway, we have a, a strong history of Catholics in the military. And uh, these rosaries that you have are just beautiful and they're, they're going to be they're going to be well received. Yeah, and they're very, very strong too. That's the other thing I, I didn't like about typical rosaries because they, they got those the uh, links and stuff like that. This is all one piece, so it's, it's almost indestructible. Um, so it's it's great, for, you know, because they'll get a lot of uh, abuse, you know, be carried around by the the soldiers and that. And but uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about this. Joe was was his name Captain Riley? You know, I I read the book. It it, it could have been, I, uh, but. I don't think it was a Easter morning, Easter morning, 1972. Captain Riley repeatedly exposed himself to intense enemy fire over a three-hour period as he prepared to blow up an essential bridge oh, and Don Hall. Captain. Yeah, in fact, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing. Um, I looked it up real quick because I remember seeing a. Um, I forget what they call it. It's like a like a small model figure in. Yeah. Some, yeah, and they show him underneath the bridge how he went back and forth several times setting the yeah. explosives. I believe he's at Annapolis. They've got his uh, his his uh, he's, that painting of him hanging on, yeah. going back and forth with the charges. Uh, and he was a I think he he's a colonel. He died uh, I think about ten years ago or something. Yeah, that's him. Well, I want to add a couple things too to what we've been talking about here. Number one is that 1960 Paul Rosary Father that you modeled the combat 1916. rosary after 1916. 1916. Yes, 1916. Yeah. Forgive me. Um, that was actually um, issued two Catholic soldiers who wanted it by the U.S. government. Right. So yeah, the they, did, they, did government what the, they did what they're doing now. They were issued to chaplains, and then the soldier could come up to a chaplain and say, Can, you got a rosary, and then he'd give them one. You know? yeah. That's how they distributed it to all the soldiers. Yeah, so and I think it's just important to remember that the U.S. government used to be involved in distributing these items to get this. Yeah, creating rosaries and distributing them. Right. There's something very powerful about that. Another thing, too, you know, Joe, on that point about, um, and you can speak to this since you were in the military, and, you, you know, many men, you know, still work with a lot of guys who have been there. And, and a couple of my buddies who are, are Catholics who have been in the military have said, have spoken to this same point, that the, when it comes to prisoners of war, or those who have been, you know, in any way detained, um, the men and women that are the hardest to break are those who have a deep moral code. Um, you could be big, strong, and tough, but I always say it doesn't matter how, how strong and tough you are. Anybody can be starved to death, as we saw, for example, World War II or, or you know, anywhere around 
the world. But those who had a deep moral code and recognized the afterlife, recognized eternity, uh, getting their soul in that position to be ready to stand before God, those who had a deep prayer life, those are the ones that were the hardest to ever break, um, you know, more or, uh, psychologically, you could say, by the enemy. I just found that very powerful because that, that goes with anything. You know, anywhere, like right now, it's what's going on in our society with, can with cancel culture, the chilling effect, the, all of that's, that's happening right now. Those who have a deep faith are the hardest ever to break, which is why we all need to grow in our faith. But especially, as you mentioned, Joe, what a situation to be in, to be young, to be shipped overseas, to be put on a military base somewhere where you have access. And is it not true, Joe, that that in those scenarios, there are, or there, are, there are attempts made, there's effort made by, you know, the, the clubs and the bars and, and the different kind of seedy sinful elements, attempts made to go after soldiers because they know that they're in a bit more vulnerable place. Is that not true? <laughs> uh, yes, Doug, that's very true. <laughs> and the, I don't want to get into it too much, but I mean, and the problem is, that particularly when you get, a, a place like Korea, you know, it's, it's the, the, the exchange rate has an effect on that too. So, I mean, at least that, so, and yeah, the, this, the situations are, are, are immense. So, but actually we have a, a chaplain right now, uh, Father Kapan from, uh, mm. from Korea, who is right. a, a Medal of Honor recipient, and he's also, we're trying to, uh, there's a big effort to make uh, a sainthood for him. Yeah, oh, sure. And, and, and what's, when you think about it, look what, every time, every time there is a World War II, uh, you see a clip from World War II, you always see that Catholic chaplain on the deck of that aircraft carrier giving last rites while, they, they, while their, their carrier's being hit, he's right on the deck. Yep. So I mean, Catholic chaplains have a have a very strong history of uh, of being very close to their men. Yeah, I want to show you another piece of memorabilia. This is from uh, World War II as well, but you can see how small this is. And this would be a pocket prayer book. It's called My Military Missile, and that's actually a collector from World War II there. And you know, it's it's a, it's a missile, but it's filled with devotion, sacramentals, uh, prayers, how to go to the confession. Everything is in here. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then if you look on the back, there's actually a rosary. You know, if you don't have a physical rosary with you, you could use this if you wanted to. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So I recreated one. And there, there's the, uh, there, there's the one I, I made called the Combat Prayer Book. And again, I put the, the rosary on the back just like it. But uh, these are the kinds of things, too, that I'd love to get into the hands of soldiers. Again, this is... It's very durable. It's made out of hard leather. You put it in your pocket, you know, and, and out you go. And that's what this was meant to be, too, is very durable uh, for the soldiers. But this this has, like that does, every most important prayer, how to go to confession, how to pray the rosary, how to pray the chaplets, um, all, all this. Uh, what, what are the seven uh, basic prayers that we all should be praying? Everything is in here in this little, little, little tiny book here. But these are the kinds of things that I want to, I want to work at helping our soldiers to get at, you know, there, there is a movement and it's surging, I think in our, in our world and in our church, but also in our military where, <clears throat> where we're not afraid to talk about things like spiritual warfare. In fact, I pointed out recently that um, 
we opened up Lent this year um, by um, having this prayer. This was the collect. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is the opening prayer to send us forth in this in this uh, 40 days of Lent. And here it is. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting, this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. I mean, that's all military language, you know? And we shouldn't be shy about this because... Frankly, the devil's eating our lunch right now. You know, it's just, the devil's just, he's laughing at us because we did this, we, we turned into this kind of hippie church and, you know, we don't talk about those things. We don't want to use militaristic language and all this stuff. And that's never been what the church has been all about. We've always been warriors ready to stand up against the advancement of evil at, at any time. And, and I think especially men too, women as well, but, uh, but men especially, you know, they, they need to understand what that means. And I was saying too, I, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. It's, but it's, it stays in the back of my mind. I want to be a chaplain and I want to help. I want to help train up these men and women in the military in the, 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 uh, uh, the tactics of spiritual warfare, the art of spiritual warfare. I want to get into their hands, these spiritual weapons. Uh, so, because, you know, uh, it was uh, uh, St. Paul that said in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, he says, Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so he can stand against the tactics of the devil. For we're not fighting flesh and blood here. We're fighting dark forces in the supernatural realm. Okay? There's a battle that needs to be fought, and we need to be fighting it. And there is such a thing as physical warfare, absolutely. And we got to stand and be ready to, to, to thwart the advancement of the evil physically, but there's also a spiritual warfare that we got to be all about. And I, I would, I, you know, I would, I, I'd, I'd go today. You know, they, we were talking about this uh, off the air, Joe, but and maybe you could touch on it too. But um, th that there, you, you said already on this on this uh, podcast that there's such a, a shortage of uh, chaplains. Well, I want to tell the bishops in the military right now that I'm one, and I think among many priests who if you didn't have like this requirement and that requirement and you'd take me, okay, so that I'd do mass every day and I'd, I'd do Sunday mass and I'd help train these guys up in spiritual warfare and I would be there for spiritual direction and I would keep my, my uh, a place open for them for a 24-7 confessional and, and I would get, I, I would train them up and how to pray the rosary and and, and what are, like I said, the art of spiritual warfare, what's the best prayers, what's the best devotions, what's the be uh, and why are the sacraments are important? I would do all that, okay? I would do all that. But you know what? I'm 63, I'm a little overweight, uh, you know, and, you know, maybe not because of this and that. And then you wonder why there's a shortage, okay? Because there's a lot of, I don't know, give, give us a name, call us senior chaplains or something like that. <laughs> and I, I, I would say, you know, put me up in a duplex next to the, next to the base. You know, and I'm there. I would be totally on. I would, and I know there's a lot of guys like me. And here we are with what, uh, whatever number you said for, you know, a half a million the, the Catholics in the military, whatever it is. Um, 196 uh, active. 196 active chaplains? Active well, duty. That doesn't yeah, that's it. Well, that number has gone or, down. I mean, it was probably six, seven years ago or so when I was co-hosting Life on the Rock on EWTN. 
And we'd had at least two or three, if I'm not mistaken, I think three different military chaplains on, and we interviewed them. And I remember one of them telling me at that time, the number was around 250 or 260, if I'm not mistaken. So the number seems to have dropped. And if, if, oh, yeah. if I got that right in my head, but that was, again, that was many years ago. Um, but he had even described, um, and I, his name escapes me, but he described how he had celebrated, I think it was 16 to 18 masses over an Easter weekend in a matter of like 72 hours. And, you know, obviously special circumstances. And now he talked about how he was in full, he called it battle rattle. He's in full gear on a helicopter with, and Joe, you would know, and I forget the name of the, the there's a soldier appointed the chaplain to protect them since the chaplain doesn't carry a weapon. Isn't there a soldier who's appointed to travel with them or be near them at all times? Is that right? Every chaplain has a, a chaplain's assistant, but okay. I don't know that he would be considered the security, uh, but there is oh. a chaplain's assistant. He more, he's like, I guess you would say like, kind of like the altar, the altar boy, okay. uh, All right. particularly, but he's a chaplain's assistant. I don't know that he's actually there to protect the priest himself, but I'm sure you're correct in a combat zone. They will have somebody there that's, that's, that, you know, that's, that's with him. Uh, and there were cases where the chaplain did carry a 45, but that's, okay. that's, uh, you know, the, that's something that's a kind of a, uh, yeah, not really approved, obviously. Right. But, well, but, but he, he, he described just, just flying to areas where, you know, the helicopter would land, he'd get off the helicopter, he'd set up, he'd celebrate mass or he'd hear confessions, celebrate mass. And it could be for a half dozen soldiers. And then they'd go to another location, another location, just that they were taking them out into the areas where it was, it was dangerous. It was more combat scenario or close to. Um, but regardless, he was just saying that the, the grueling schedule was, it was intense, but he said it was one of the most fulfilling and satisfying things of his priesthood to be going to these places at these times to, re to, to reach these soldiers. I'll bet. Um, but I, I, but it's, a, it's a great and very important thing to be bringing up. And I'm hoping people who are listening to this podcast, watch this podcast, will share this with others so people can hear more about what's going on with the military chaplaincy program. Because you're right, Joe, we are understaffed dramatically. And just as much as people are praying, and I get this completely, because all of my kids now are 20 and older, and, and I know the idea, you know, when, when kids are going off to college, they're moving out, they're living on their own, they're moving to another city or whatever's going on. And parents, and I've heard this for years in my ministry work, oh, Doug, I'm so concerned about my child who's off in college because of the elements of what's out there. And you're right, there are some pretty challenging elements, challenging to the faith, because they know that there are people on college campuses who are going to try to pull them away from their Catholic faith and pull them into some other religion or something godless, whatever it may be. But Joe, the picture you paint about, you know, going off to another country or military base again, uh, I think it gets, I think that reality gets lost in, to a lot of people that we're putting our young people oftentimes in very precarious situations that are very dangerous to their souls. So I just want to say to any parent out there who, run, who understands what it's like to see your child go to college or move out and you're concerned for their souls. Think about that with regards to a military individual, a man or woman going into the military, and something like Combat Rosies for Heroes is a powerful way to help support their faith. And without that faith, without that spiritual battle, as you mentioned earlier, Father Heilman, 
the battle is flesh and blood first. We have the physical compact component of battle, but isn't it true that that only when we lose the spiritual battle do we end up in the physical battle? If we if the if the spiritual battle was won, you know, it, it, look, any of us, you know, fought, I mean, Joe, you and I are married. We both know you're. I don't know how long, Joe, have you and your wife been married? Going on forty years. Forty years. All right. My wife and I have 31 years. So we both know that if you lose that interior battle, that spiritual battle in marriage, pretty soon you're dealing with it in an argument or or something else. So the spiritual battle is first. So we've got to fight the spiritual battle with everything we've got. Yeah. Well, what one of the things, yeah, it's definitely uh, I mean, I remember when I was uh uh, 18, uh, 70, 72, in, in, we were up in uh, the DMZ in Korea, and that place was, I mean, there was so up, you know, the, the, the towns that were south, uh, the other side of the bridge, you know, none of them were, uh, you know, there was no, uh, there was nothing there that was any of, of any moral, moral uh, significance that we were looking for, I should say, at that time. So, um, you're so right. And then you know, it's kind of a funny story about uh, pre, you're talking about these priests going into these combat zones and, and flying. I mean, that reminds me, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Vincent Capadano. He was a, um, he was, a, he was with the Marines in Vietnam in 1967 and uh, was killed while uh, administering to his Marines. And he, he was another Medal of Honor recipient, but he was with his men. He was with his, his company, and it's not normal to have a chaplain that's with a company, but uh, Vin, uh, Father Capadano was one of those one of those uh, one of those men that wanted to be with his Marines. But yeah, in Iraq and Afghanistan, these guys would be flying to what they call FOBs, uh, forward operational bases, and that they're all over the place, dotted all over. And I remember a, a lady that I know; her son is a, he was a captain, and he was in Iraq. And he's Catholic, and uh, he was telling his mom that he hadn't seen a priest. I guess he was Skyping with her and said he hadn't seen a priest in I don't know how many months. So typical mom gets on the gets on the whatever gets on the phone, calls, starts making all these calls, and and the, it was funny because the 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 son said that he was in his base, he was up in his tent at his fob, and all of a sudden there was a the you know, somebody sticks their head in there. The colonel sticks his head in there, and are you so and so? And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Your priest is here." So, <laughs> mom, mom stirred some stuff up and, and got a priest out there. Uh, I, I'm sure it wasn't that day, but it was well within the time frame that he wasn't expecting to see one. And as far as the the way that even even not so much not even Catholic, but let's just say religious uh, and spiritual. Uh, kind of where our military is. I remember I was with a, a ranger. This guy was a ranger. He had been deployed five times uh, with a ranger unit in Iraq. And so he had been deployed five times in, in, in various deployments with the rangers. So this guy had seen combat, had seen a lot of battle. And I remember I was with him. We had gone to some event for the army. He was, he was uh, doing recruiting. So the two of us were out. And I took him out to lunch, and this was before I was really into showing my faith. You know, I, you know, I used to have a little resentment, you know, not resentment, but I wasn't really big on praying. 
this is probably, I don't know, 11 years ago or so. And I remember we were eating and he said, he looks at me, he goes, I have to do this or my wife will kill me. And he's like, you know, dear Jesus, we thank you for this food. And I mean, and I never expected, and I felt like, wow, here I am a Catholic and, you know, I'm not doing this stuff. And, but this guy, you know, army ranger and he had, you know, he had no problem in a crowded restaurant of uh, just, and his wife wasn't with him. And I, I do remember another time we did a welcome home. We didn't probably done about two, 200 welcome homes on the motorcycles for, for uh, soldiers when they come back. One guy was an Arab, he was airborne. He had gotten back. I don't know. I think probably, uh, probably from Afghanistan. He was an airborne guy. And I told the guy that was running, we were, we were, he was like the head of our group. And I said, I'm going to give this guy a St. Michael medal. And the guy said, well, we don't really do that. We're not really religious or a political group. And I said, well, he goes, what if he's an atheist? I go, well, I'm not doing welcome homes for a guy that's an atheist, but I said, I'm giving him this medal. So I went up to him and I said, thank you for your service. Here's a St. Michael medal. And the guy looks at me and he goes, cool. And he pulls up his sleeve. I'm not a big one on tattoos, but he pulls up his sleeve. He's got a St. Michael all the way up down his sleeve. Oh. Because, and again, I'm not, you know, I, the church has a different feel on tattoos. And I, I know I'm, but St. Michael is obviously, uh, he's, they said at one time he was the patron of, of infantry, but I have since heard that he's, you know, the patron of, of police. Somebody said fire. So, but I, I know he was uh, the patron saint of infantry. And I've been uh, actually, I want, I've been working with, uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but uh, with Fort Hood, they have a, uh, um, they have got a death dealer, a death dealer statue that is their motto, and I've been trying to get that thing, get you know, get that thing melted down and replace it with Saint Michael or a, or a Joan of Arc. But I'm, I'm working on that. But Saint Michael is a, a lot tougher than any demonic death dealer they can put up. So yeah, or or we need to get them a Saint Michael. I got to get the glow out of their challenge coin. There you go. Uh, well, I'm and, actually uh, one of the things I wanted to mention too, Joe, is that um, right now we have the Grace Force seventy-seven thousand plus that are do going through the uh, Let Freedom Ring forty-day uh, tactical training for freedom from the devil, and uh, I, I think we're going to set uh, you up too to get be able to get these to the military because you thought it was perfect for them. But th there's that book right awesome. there. Yeah, yeah. But the other one, too, that I, I, I want to get going to the military is the one I wrote a few years ago, and that's the uh, Church Militant Field Manual, Special Forces Training for the Life in Christ. Nice. And, uh, yep. And so this is a training up manual, again, basically on how can you be a strong spiritual warrior. And it's all right here. I, I wrote this a few years ago. So um, so we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we, we get them all. All lined up with that. You're wearing that. I noticed you're wearing the hat too. Make America holy again. That was that was my idea. <laughs> so the Maha hat, I call it. Should have your name on there somewhere. Yeah, right. But anyway, so but all this is is just uh, my passion, and I, I know yours too, Joe and Doug. But uh, just to make sure that these military people have everything they need to be the, the strongest moral fiber for sure. Um, because I, I've been talking lately, uh, because Lent is starting about this, uh, mortification muscle that we have to have. 
and you know military is about the best at it but what does that mean it just means how how selfless are you what's your strength of selflessness well if someone's joining the military to put their lives on the line for me a complete stranger of them and for noble reasons like you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness i mean that's about as strong a mortification muscle as you can get um and so i i just i tell people when i meet anybody military I said you know how people geek out about hollywood stars well i'm the same with military people because i just so appreciate their um their willingness to step up and and take on such a noble cause as keeping us you know safe and and uh and helping to um keep that that momentum if you will of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness mm. right oh definitely yeah yeah and, and of all people i mean this is just it's a perfect fit because as you know joe by the way joe what branch were you in when you were in i was in the army in the army and and you know it, not that the branch matters but i know I think a Marine would disagree with you, but well, I was just going to say, Ora or Ura? Marine. What, what, which are you, Ora or Ura? Which one? I don't know. We're, I always say the Marines always had the best publicity, but they they always had a PR guy with them. But I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, military are taught you know the perseverance, the don't give up, the discipline, the training, and as you mentioned, Father, you know the selflessness and sacrifice for others. You fight for the guy on your left and your right. I mean, there's this, all this that goes with that. It is a perfect fit for spiritual battle. Right. It, it can be taught it, it, and understood Easily. and embraced. You know, as it is for anybody, we're built as Saint John Paul II said. We're given the indomitable human spirit. Right. We're, 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 you know, when you're, when you're underwater, you fight to get your head above water. You want to breathe. There's that something in us that just wants to survive, wants to keep moving forward. But the military is is all about that. Has been trained that way for the sake of being able to accomplish the mission, get the job done, you know, and, and, and take care of business the way it needs to be. To bring the spiritual element in is just a massively powerful thing. I've met so many guys and, you know, one of my best friends is 33 year EOD Navy, you know, and he's been all over the world and his description of, of what it was like to just never quit, never give up. And he would train his men. He was a master chief. So he had trained my men. And when they complained, I trained them harder. And when they complained about that, I trained them even harder. He said, because the most difficult thing in the world was to come home from a deployment or a mission without one of your men. Right. And so you did everything you could to make sure that they were alive in the end and they could accomplish the mission at hand. And I just think spiritual, that translation for military is, it, it's one of the easiest, I would think, Joe, for anybody on the planet to grasp in that translation, if it's presented right, I would think military uh, personnel would be the ones who could grasp that. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the most uh, spiritual people I've met, as I said, not necessarily Catholic in some cases, but our, our, our military men, some of the, the very, very, I mean, I, I know guys that are in, you know, I don't know, Baptist or evangelicals, but I, I, you know, some of the ones I contact and work with are, I mean, one is a, I don't know if he's a pilot, he's a pilot on a B1 or a B2, one of those, one of those, and he's a very Catholic, uh, but he is the, he is the captain on a, I don't know if he's a captain, but he's the one, he's the pilot in command on one of the, either a B1 or a B2, and, you know, here you've got these, you know, 
a Catholic man like that flying one of the most destructive weapons in our arsenal. And uh, it just goes to show you that these, these are men of faith that do that job. Mm. And they need men of faith to administer to them. And particularly, the, the other thing is, because we have such a shortage of Catholic chaplains, these our Catholics are left to be administered to by other faiths. So if you don't have a Catholic chaplain, it's not unusual to have, you'll have a Protestant or you'll have a Baptist or, or, or even a, uh, a Muslim. So, I mean, you've got this opportunity where we may be having our Catholics, our Catholic military being picked off and uh, by other faiths. I mean, I know this isn't a numbers game here, but we may have some of our men and women who are being lost to Catholicism, to other religions, strictly simply because we don't have Catholics to administer to them. Mm -hmm. So really, the, the best way to keep that alive is with our sacramentals, with things like the rosary, the books, the, these things that keep that in front of them if they don't have a priest or someone that, that can right. do it. So yeah, and and I'm I'm passionate to do that, and I know you are too, Joe. Um, and so let's get her let's get her done. Like we say, we launched yesterday this whole movement, Combat Rosaries for Heroes, but it will also include you know things things like this, you know, that we'll get to awesome. uh, the military, and uh, the other is uh, things like that, you know. So um, we'll get as much as we can to these guys, and um, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, like you say, there's not a lot of chaplains out there, but we can get them all this stuff. And um, if the uh, bishops for the military are listening, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm available. <laughs> I think the oldest one we have that's active is 69. <clears throat> yeah, I believe that they've extended. I think they have. They've extended the the age for Catholic chaplains to be 70. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, I'd, I'd love to to, to uh, minister to them, like I said, 24-7 confessional, mass all the time. Uh, I probably wouldn't go in the, uh, what did you call it, the FOBs, forward operating bases. I'll leave the young guys for all that. But you know what I'm saying? You get them all trained up. I'll, I'll be at the training centers, and we'll get them trained in, in uh, the art of spiritual warfare, too, and get them all, you know, and once, see, what's, what, once you're, once you're uh, uh, full of zeal, for the mission of God, then you want to be moral and virtuous. And, you know, and so, because why? Because you're pleasing God and, and that's all you want to do is please God. So to get these, these uh, soldiers in that frame of mind that, uh, that everything that I'm doing is, is for the glory of God uh, it would be just, uh, and I know a lot of them are already. And again, I mean, the fact that they ain't even enlisted is, is, uh, heroic and and uh you know puts them at a level higher than me and everybody else but anyway uh i'd, I'd love to minister to them but i i throw it out and i know it's like a point it's probably is <clears throat> probably 99.9 or 7 percent that i won't um, well let me let me give you the rundown if, you, if you're interested in doing that and i don't know how your current your current parish would live without you but no i, I wouldn't live without them either no, you wouldn't. But I just in the it's in the back of my mind. But but I I throw that out because I think there's a lot of priests like me, you know that. Hey, I would go to those bases and I would minister to them, you know. Um, if you didn't mind that I'm a little overweight and I'm not a young guy anymore, and you know what I mean. Um, well, I'll give you the format, which 
The Archdiocese of Military Services is the endorsing agency because <laughs> it's not a question of the bishops aren't the ones that make that decision. Yeah. The fact of the matter is you've got to go before the Archdiocese of Military Service. They will say if whether they want you or not, and then you've yeah. got to go before your bishop. And well, they got 169 for a million or whatever it is because you yeah, count well, all the kids. The bishop has to make the decision. You know, I think I think they ought to they ought to take some of us up on this because. I love the military and I want to serve them. And there's a lot like me. And so let's, let's talk about getting a lot more, a lot more like me. Yeah. Like, like me uh, who want to serve that way. Um, like think, say, I, just I, give me a little duplex next to the base and I'm good to go. I think your parishioners right. are getting nervous hearing you talk yeah, this way. I friend. know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, mean, I am so close to my parish family. I can't even describe it. I mean, it, it, we're so tight. <laughs> And I would hate ever losing. I want to retire here. You but, would, uh, but you I'm would. talking this way just because I know there's a lot of listeners out there, and and I, I think a lot of priests too, and I think they're thinking like I am. You know, if, if God called me to do that, I would, sir, yes, sir. But um, anyway, uh, but it would be the hardest thing in the world to leave my my parish family. But anyway, so I think we're we're winding up here. Um, Joe, thanks so much for. Uh, everything that you're doing, um, yeah. it's of course you know you're you're uh, this uh, person that's supplying chaplains in the military. I mean that's just amazing. Uh, but everything that you're doing, I I watch you online, and <laughs> I can't believe you get around the country like you do. <laughs> he's over here, he's over there, he's. A, but it's always it's always this stuff that you love uh, God and country, okay. and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up earlier. You know, we use that expression to uh, love God and country, and. Uh, you know, it is loving God first, because once you once you have that, once you have that love for God, then every mission is noble. You know, even saying something nice when you're standing in the grocery store to your neighbor, you know. But every mission is noble, and uh, and so you know, thanks so much for for everything. Oh, right. <clears throat> All right. Let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. And we ask a special blessing, especially upon all of our military men and women uh, who are heroic. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And law enforcement and first responders, too. Yeah. Everybody that's putting themselves in harm's way. It's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you.